One of the most popular Christmas songs, uh, besides All I Want for Christmas Is You, uh, is Joy to the World by Isaac Watts. Uh, interestingly though, Isaac Watts didn't write this, he didn't intend for this to actually be a Christmas song. Uh, it's based on a couple of verses from Genesis 3, which we're going to read in a second, parts of Psalm 96, and then Psalm 98, which we'll be looking at as well. And really, Joy to the World is as much about Jesus' second coming as it is about his first coming. But that's okay. Uh, we can still sing it, because what have we been saying this year during Advent? Advent is both a celebration of Christ's first coming and a time when we earnestly anticipate and long for Christ's second coming. Uh, and so tonight, we're going to reflect briefly on Psalm 98. I'm going to read that along with uh, a couple of verses from Genesis 3. You can find this in your bulletin. This is God's word. Genesis 3:16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then from Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in a joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for our time to reflect on your word together. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would come and that you would enable me to speak clearly and enable us to hear uh, and work in our hearts tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 98, uh, that's a pretty joyful psalm, right? Uh, if, if, if there was an Old Testament radio station that played only joyful psalms, um, Psalm 98 would be in heavy rotation on that station. Uh, we're not sure of the original context, but it celebrates some great deliverance that God has done for his people. It could be looking back to the Exodus. And it looks forward to God's kingdom being fully established on earth. Which makes Psalm 98 a perfect, perfect psalm uh, during Advent. When we look back at Jesus' incarnation and we look forward to Jesus returning 
and making all things new. And so what I want us to do, what I just want us to think about tonight is how this psalm points us to Jesus. How it points us to Jesus as the judge, as the king, uh, and as the savior. So first of all, how does it point us to Jesus as judge? Uh, Look in verse 9 of the psalm. Before the Lord, uh, well, back up, let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. The Lord is coming to judge the earth. Uh, In Matthew chapter 25, we're told about Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The day is coming when Jesus is judged will render judgment. The day is coming when Jesus the judge will set all things right. Uh, Isaac Watts grew up in a family that was actually persecuted for their faith. His father was in prison when Isaac Watts was born. And so you can, you can sense Isaac Watts looking forward to this day when wrongs are made right. In verse 4 of Joy to the World, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. He longed for a day when everything would be set right. Uh, and if you've experienced injustice or oppression, you long for that too. Whether you've been persecuted for your faith in China or in the Middle East or wherever it is, whether you've experienced racial injustice in America, whether you've just been a victim of a crime or a loved one has been a victim of a crime, you long for things to be made right. You long for all things to be set right. You long for justice to be done. And the good news of Advent is that the judge is coming back And he is going to take care of things. He is going to set things right. Now, on the one hand, that's really good news. On the other hand, the moment you realize that the judge isn't just going to judge them, he's also going to judge me, that news about a judge coming back begins to make us feel a little uneasy. Because what have we been talking about in the book of Romans? No one is righteous, no, not one. And for by works of the law, no one will be declared righteous in his sight. We're all sinful, we're all broken, we all fall short. Even as Christians, sin still causes us much more trouble than we'd like to admit or think that it does. Uh, In the early 1970s, Steve Bass Uh, You probably don't know this name, but he was an ace pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 1971, he threw a four-hitter in Game 7 of the World Series to win the World Series. In 1972, he had one of the best best, best seasons of his whole career, statistically speaking. In 1973, his earned run average went from 2.49 to 9.85. Now, if you don't know anything about baseball, that means he went from giving giving up on average two and a half runs per game when he pitched 
to almost 10 runs per game when he pitched, which is really, really bad, okay? He didn't just go through a slump that year. He completely lost his ability to pitch. And this is what he said. He said, it was just the absolute bottom of the pit. I knew there was something tragically, tragically wrong here. And I'm lost here. And I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I wind up and there's kind of this freeze and there's no flow and no rhythm. I knew I shouldn't be out there, but I didn't want to quit. I wanted to keep going to be totally convinced that it wasn't there. Uh, Ira Glass of This American Life said this about Steve Bass. Steve Bass tried everything to get out of the abyss. He tried pitching from his knees. He tried pitching from second base. He tried pitching every night in the bullpen. He tried taking a week off, seeing if the rest helped him, watched himself on video and compared it to videos when he was pitching well. He went to a hypnotist and a psychologist. He tried meditation and practiced it. Some of these cures focused on mechanics. Some of them tried to take his mind off his mechanics. Nothing worked. And I was reading that earlier this week and I thought, that's us. That, that, that's me. Like, we feel like we're doing okay spiritually. We're kind of going along and then we just crash and burn. Or we go for a long stretch of time thinking, right, you know, I'm, 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 I've kind of got a hang of this. I'm, I'm not a bad person at all. And then we just absolutely blow it. And we feel, I think, kind of like Steve Bass felt, I'm, I'm lost here. And I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And if Jesus is actually coming to judge the world, then I may have a problem. But the good news of Advent is that Jesus is returning not only as judge, he's returning as a savior. Uh, look at verse three. God is a God, it tells us that God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse two, the Lord has made known his salvation. The Lord has revealed his righteousness. Verse 1, the Lord has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Do you ever feel hopeless when it comes to pulling off your own salvation? I hope, I hope you say yes. Because if you do say yes, then you're in a good place. Because Jesus, that's, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save people who couldn't save themselves. Jesus came to save people who couldn't figure out how to pitch spiritually, you know, no matter how hard they tried. At the cross, God's justice and love meet. At the cross, God's right hand and holy arm work salvation for people who are unable to work salvation for themselves. And the invitation to us is to embrace what Jesus as Savior has done and to rest in what he has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him, rests in him, trusts in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And here's the thing. Not only is God in the business of rescuing people, saving people, he's going to rescue not only us from that curse that we read about in Genesis 3, He's going to rescue the entire creation 
from that curse that we read about in Genesis 3. And so creation, in fact, sings. Verse 7, let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Psalm 96, the other verses that influence joy of the world. Verse 11 and 12. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Joy of the world, verse 3. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And so we rejoice as we anticipate. Yes, Jesus is coming to set all things right, but Jesus is also returning to, 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 to finish the work of salvation, to make all things new, to make all things right. But then we also anticipate the return of Jesus as king. Look in verse 6. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. There is something in us that longs for a good king. There's something in us that longs for a good king to return. Uh, Tolkien put it this way, from the ashes of fire shall be woken. A light from the shadow shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken the crownless again shall be king. Uh, Lord willing, after she graduates, Emma's going to be moving to Atlanta to start work. Uh, and she was asking me about churches in the area she's going to be living. And I was trying to remember the name of one, and I looked it up. It's called, Emma's called Atlanta Westside Presbyterian Church. I haven't told you yet, but there you go. And I was looking up their, their website, and their website had this kind of headline banner thing on it. And it said, Previewing the kingdom of God from Buckhead to Bankhead. Previewing the kingdom of God. I thought, man, that's, that's a good, we should, we should take that. Uh, when, when Je but think about it, when Jesus came in his healing and in his serving and his forgiving, he was giving us a preview of what the kingdom of God is going to be like when his reign is finally and fully established. And in the meantime, our job as we are filled by the Holy Spirit, our job as a church is to give people a little taste, a little preview of what the kingdom of God is going to be like as we wait for the return of the king. Because the king is going to come back. And on that day, what does Philippians tell us? Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And what does verse 2 of Joy of the World tell us? Joy, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He not only is the judge, he not only is the Savior, he is the King. And then what do we do? What's the, what should be our response when we see the glory of Jesus as the Savior and the judge and the King? who has accomplished our salvation at the cross and will return one day to make all things new. 
What is our response? Well, what do you do when you're, when you're at the stadium and your team has just won the big game to, to go to the playoffs and you're leaving the stadium and looking forward to the championship? You sing. You sing. What do you do on that spring day? It's the first warm day of spring and you're driving down that two-lane country road and you've got the windows rolled down and you've got the radio cranked up and you're in love. What do you do? You sing. You sing. Well, we can't roll down the windows in here, I don't, I don't think. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to confess our sins and that's going to serve to remind us that we need a Savior. Uh, and perhaps you don't know Christ. I, I hope that as you read through this confession, it might serve as, as, as a little impetus for you to think about and consider that perhaps you do need a Savior. And so we're going to confess our sins to remind us that we do need a Savior. And then we're going to hear the assurance of forgiveness. We're going to be reminded of the gospel to remind us that we do have a Savior in Jesus. And then we're going to sing joy to the world. All right? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for, um, for men like Isaac Watts. Thank you for the song, Joy of the World, and what it points us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the judge and savior and the king that we need. Uh, help us to honestly confess our sins and fully receive your forgiveness uh, and loudly sing your praise. We pray in your name. Amen.